Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Vilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph. Today was women's semi-final day. It didn't last an awful long time because, frankly, Serena Williams was in awesome form. She smashed her way past Elena Vesnina in just 48 minutes, and Angelique Kerber wasn't too far behind. An hour and 12 minutes for her to defeat Venus. So, we know the women's final lineup. Myself, David Law, joined by Simon Briggs, Catherine Whitaker, and... A very special guest today, the BBC's tennis correspondent, Mr. Russell Fuller. Russell, how are you doing? It's a privilege, David. It's our, the pleasure is all ours. Well, well, first of all, we're just going to start with Simon Briggs, because Simon's got to go off and write something enormous for The Telegraph. What are you going to write about today, Simon? You've got, you've got plenty to choose from, haven't you? You've got men's semi-finals coming up tomorrow with Andy Murray against Thomas Burdick. You've got uh, Russia Federer. He's playing tomorrow, isn't he? And against uh, Milos Raonic. That one's first. But the semis today... Probably went the way I think we expected. Yeah, I mean, I watched the Venus one. Um, I let Jim White do the uh, Serena one, and I, I was uh, a little bit rushing trying to finish my salad in order to get out on centre court because it didn't uh, take quite as long as I had anticipated. Um, I guess that was a disappointing match from the centre court crowd. Some of my friends were actually in the in the crowd for the Venus match and said they enjoyed that. Um, it wasn't world class. Venus didn't play her top level, but it was okay. Uh, it was world class in terms of the performance of Angelique Kerber, wasn't it? Yeah, Kerber played pretty well. I mean, certainly when she got a serve going in the second set, she looked uh, like she was playing a good rounded game. I think she'll have to serve that well again against Serena to stay in the match. I mean, Serena's looked so good, hasn't she? I mean, when was the last time she looked this good? Probably last year's Wimbledon. I wouldn't have thought that she's been as dominant since then. No, no. This was a return to form, wasn't it, Russ? In terms of, I mean, in terms of her game level, but also the zen appears to have come back. Yes, yeah, she's seemed very much in control, hasn't she? Particularly in the quarterfinals and the semi-finals, there's been little in the way of drama because she's just been playing so well and serving so well, and the belief is there as well. One tough match against Christina McHale, which went to three sets, but as Simon said. We normally expect at least one match in the first week. Williams will have to come from a set and a breakdown to win the match. And it, and it just hasn't happened to the same extent. And given the fact we're here on the grass, she's a six-time Wimbledon champion. Whereas I thought there was a, a fair chance that Kerber could beat her in Australia, 
and I think she could do it again here, I would definitely make Williams favourite for the final. Yeah, she's probably helped by this surface more than ever, isn't she, Catherine? And I suspect her... Her eyes, she'll never admit this, but she does not like losing to anybody. And I saw this against Kuznetsova a few weeks ago, that having been beaten by her, she was even more dialed in to get that bit of revenge. I think this is a very different Serena Williams to the one that lost to Kerber in that Australian Open final in the slightly bizarre reaction from her in the moments immediately following the defeat which have been interpreted by different people in different ways but I certainly think if you were to see the same scenario on Saturday of her losing to Kerber I don't think you'd see the same smiles and magnanimity I think uh, I think this is Serena Williams of this time last year Serena Williams with the fierce fight in her eyes and uh, I think she's going to win on Saturday I, I noticed Simon in her press conference just now when when asked about the 22 slams thing she just brushed it aside immediately I, I don't I don't think about that anymore and having watched the documentary and having seen her three times now come up short in the latter stages of Grand Slam finals uh, or certainly two finals and a semi I get the feeling that she is playing a bit of a mental game with herself here just to try to take that pressure off well she always says um, when I lose that's when I learn and maybe what she has learned in the last six months is that she has been reaching too eagerly for that prize. It's a pretty big one, isn't it, to, to equal Steffi Graf's record. If she can maybe move it ahead in the next um, slam or two, if she can get back uh, to where she was in the early part of last year, win Wimbledon, win the US Open, where she's been so strong the last five, six years, then she could be out into open water and making new records again. I mean, I, I thought she was really struggling a couple of weeks ago but it's amazing how this game just keeps on confounding you yeah it does turn doesn't it russell the um the the grand slam finals that she's lost this year you've you've commentated on them for bbc5 live and did ahead of them did you see what ended up happening did you see it coming at all i mean or was it as much of a shock i mean certainly the australian open was a huge shock to me I, i wasn't in paris did that feel like a shock as well I think that felt like a bigger shot than the French Open final against Garbinier Muguruza because we just didn't know whether someone like Kerber, who'd had a very, very good 2015, let's not forget it, it wasn't just a flash in the pan, would have the mindset and the belief that she could beat Williams in a Grand Slam final after she'd been so dominant the previous year. Once that had happened, and because Williams had a very stop-start year between Melbourne and Roland Garros, I think the way Garbinier Muguruza was playing... I thought she was the favourite for that French Open final. So clearly there is belief amongst certain players in the world, if they're on their game, that they can beat Williams. I think it's an even bigger ask here because it's Wimbledon. Now, Venus Williams wasn't looking obviously too happy with life straight afterwards, neither was Elena Vesnina. But certainly the most depressed figure that I've seen today is Goran Ivanisevic. And I had opportunity to speak to him for BBC Radio 5 Live. Just have a little listen to this interview. And I really didn't know how to start it. <sighs> Goran, I don't know what to say. How are you feeling? Uh, it's not for the radio how I feel. Bad. I felt like this last time, 98, when I lost the final against Sampras. I mean, it feels worse than me, but as a coach, this is, this is painful. Painful, but, you know, life goes on, and uh, hopefully he learns something from this match and uh, takes the positive 
things and uh, and then uh, he's going to be okay this match can hurt you but it can help you so hopefully the option A is going to help him and uh, but it's going to hurt for a long time I saw you in the in the box there and uh, I, I mean we were all suffering with you on his on your behalf on his behalf obviously Federer very popular but I mean d- did you think he'd got it uh, sure he was uh, playing amazing tennis from the first round I saw he has a chance and especially when Djokovic lost I saw him that he has a chance to go to the final in that part of the draw and uh, he was really it's the first time he plays tennis like he did in US Open two years ago he confident but you know when you play guys like Roger Andy Novak you need to play all the time like that you can't for the second you cannot think you need to be aggressive you need to believe in those things and uh, unfortunately he let uh, Roger back into the match and uh, he pays the price three match points two match points on the second serve a lot of chances too many chances you can't do that against Roger Federer. That's his living room, you know. And sometimes when you come to the personal living room, sometimes you don't have to be polite, you know. You have to be not polite guests. So in the end, he was very polite. And uh, Roger is Roger, one of the greatest, for the moment, the greatest. And uh, so I wish him all the best, you know. It's, uh, I'm a big fan of Roger, and so hopefully he wins. If you put a put aside your obvious disappointment understandable disappointment and Marin's for, for a second what Roger Federer is doing here at 34 it, it's pretty remarkable isn't it? It is, like I say I'm a huge fan, I know Roger since he was junior and uh, to see him playing like that, coming back from two sets to love down, being in the semis with his you know, body holding up or not and he's living his dream, that's what he said yesterday his dream is still on hopefully he wins two more matches and it will be great for him to win a Grand Slam. For me, favorite is Andy to win the whole thing. But, you know, Roger, tomorrow is going to be tough. But, you know, that will be a great story. Well, you, you know Milos well and you, you probably know his game style. Well, OK, you were a left-hander, but it's not that dissimilar, is it, from, from what he does to what you used to do? How do you see it going, that match tomorrow? Oh, it's a tight match 50-50 I say Milos improved a lot you know he's just doing everything to be better and better it took John to help him and you can see Milos uh, confident aggressive uh, he's not scared to hit the ball uh, he's going to go for the shots uh, if he serves well it's going to be very tough so that's why I say 50-50 crowd is going to be behind Roger but uh, Milos believes he can do it. Milos, uh, this is his chance, and uh, why not? You know, he's a young guy. And he's got John McEnroe as a coach. Did you ever think you would see John McEnroe as a coach? Yes, because, uh, first of all, he was uh, one of the greatest, and uh, I th- think you can learn a lot from John. First of all, he won this tournament a lot of times. He's a great commentator, but... That is a great coach. He can tell you a lot of uh, smart things, uh, little things that can help you a lot. And uh, I think uh, Milos has improved a lot. He showed that in Queens. He's playing better. Like I say, he's not afraid to hit the ball. He's going to hit tomorrow. He's not going to rally a lot. He's going to be aggressive, come to the net. 
and uh, we see what's going to happen. You mentioned you, for you, Andy's still the favourite. He, he has lost his last five matches against Roger Federer. First of all, do you think Thomas Burdick can get in the way, or do you think that's, that's a relatively straightforward match? Uh, it's not a straightforward match, and it's never straightforward semi-finals, but uh, Andy is very confident, playing well already from the French. Honestly, I thought he was going to win French this year. He was so good. Maybe these first two matches cost him five sets in the end. But look at the Queens, looking here, very confident, very strong. Uh, he, he knows that he's his chance, he knows that he's playing well, he knows that he's uh, close for his second Wimbledon title and he's no, he knows that there's no Mr. Djokovic there. I know that he lost five times against, uh, last five times against uh, Roger, but uh, I think he just sees himself in the final and uh, but let's, let's, let's wait for tomorrow. I think that match may be four sets and Andy but uh, Roger and uh, Raonic is, I don't know, to be honest, 50-50. I would like Roger to win, but uh, it's 50-50. Goran, thanks ever so much for talking to us. I feel, I feel like giving you a hug. It's, it's hard to watch that yesterday. <laughs> but anyway, you know, as you said, it was a great match. And, uh, and maybe, maybe next time. Maybe next time. Thanks. So there is Goran Ivanisevic, and as you can hear, he was absolutely devastated on behalf of Marin Cilic and for himself. I remember past matches that Cilic has lost, he's taken a couple of days to, to, to recover from them. But also, Simon, he was talking there about the immense respect he has for Roger Federer, how he thinks that is a, a 50-50 match between Raonic and, uh, and Federer, but that he ultimately thinks it's going to be Andy Murray that mops up here um, and, and, and comes through. Is, is that... Is that the feeling that you get? Do you, do you think that which of those do you think that Murray, if he gets through, is going to have to face eventually? Yeah, it, it's going to be a tight one. I was saying earlier, actually, with Russell, we were talking on the BBC, and I said that the, the best scenario for Annie might be a five-set win for Roger because if Roger did. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel, and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live, and you can watch on your phone or your smart TV, both in HD. Matt, this sounds like your kind of thing. Yeah, there's nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere, dipping in to where there's the latest final set tiebreak or even the latest bit of aggro. And David, don't worry, you can just watch your favourite court, Suzanne Longlen, all day if you want. But whatever you choose, the French Open promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Do you know, I think in a lot of ways, the French Open is now my favourite slam. 
It's the strategy of the clay court tennis, the way it challenges players, and particularly now with Legends of the Game up against a new generation of young players. I cannot wait. Be there when it happens with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Subscribe to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. Play back-to-back five-sitters on his way to the final. You might think that that would begin to tell on his physique. You know, the guy's going to be 35 soon. So Andy really needs to, to lock on tomorrow and not mess about you know he wasn't at his best against Songa he didn't hit the forehand you know how I get obsessed with Andy's forehand that's my barometer I did enjoy your description in the in the telegraph today what was it the the uh the, the... I said if he's banging it down like a barman serving a beer tankard that's good and if he's serving it like a wine waiter all so delicate and uh, and and careful and then then he's in trouble and and that's kind of how it felt certainly in the in the period when Songa got very um, ahead of him in the third and fourth set you know Songa was playing those little slices low down and Andy's forehands were landing short and then Songa was teeing off with a gigantic winner on the forehand side on the next shot so it was a, I mean I don't think that Burdich will try that tactic because he's not a slicer by, by, by nature but uh, Murray can't really afford to be loose tomorrow I think he, he needs, to, needs to get through and maybe take advantage of the fact that in theory he's got the easier semi-final in theory the Raonic Federal one could be more sapping Simon, thank you for your contribution, as always, here on the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph. Simon's going to go off and write those voluminous amounts of words uh, that will eventually uh, be available to you on the website and in the newspaper tomorrow. Um, Catherine Whitaker is here alongside Russell Fuller from BBC Radio 5 Live. Goran, you know well, Catherine, and, uh, and I mean, he was inconsolable. Honestly, when I first said, Goran, can we have a quick chat on the radio? He said, well, I, I've, I don't know what to say. I, I have nothing to say. And uh, eventually we, we got chatting. But um, that, that will have hurt both him and Marin Cilic, won't it? But again, another extraordinary achievement for Federer, who incidentally I saw earlier today and just walked past, you know, shaking hands with everybody, just hanging out, looking as though he'd been through about half an hour's match, not four hours. And um, it's, it's going to be fascinating tomorrow, isn't it? It really is. I was uh, sitting alongside Thomas Enquist in the Live at Wimbledon uh, studio earlier and he is playing Legends doubles with Goran Ivanovic this week and they had to go out and play yesterday evening. And I caught some glimpses of that match and it was it was beyond any exhibition tennis I've ever seen. It was almost like Goran had had to slip into like crazed clown mode in order to cope with the uh, desolate emotions that were coursing through his veins and, and I asked Thomas about that I said you know was he just sort of past caring by that point he said absolutely not in the locker room before he was he was a broken man and then suddenly you know like a real pro it has to be said really managed to turn it on for the the crowds that had come and come to see him play doubles so uh, I feel for Goran because the game plan was a good one it worked as I said yesterday Chilich's level didn't dip um, he played probably the second or third best match of his life, out, the best one outside of that US Open, and he still lost. And uh, I'm not sure what he could say to Marin after that. I, I mean, that's, that's a tough gig. Well, great, great first answer, I thought, from Goran, that, that he said, um, that's the worst I've felt 
since 1998 when I lost in the final to Sampras, having led it. I mean, that's a, that says it all, really, doesn't it, Russ? And I can remember how crushed he was when Marin Cilic led Novak Djokovic by two sets to one, also in the quarterfinals uh, a couple of years ago. And he joined us on BBC Radio for the semi-final, and he wasn't quite the usual Goran, so I can only imagine what he felt like today after a match which his man was so close to winning and, and didn't do an enormous amount wrong, did he? Maybe just got a little bit shaken up by the fact that Federer saved those three break points when he was love 40 down at three all in the third set but it was it was all about Federer and the way he played I had that match down as a 50-50 match before it started I've got Raonic Federer down as 50-50 I just it's going to be so fascinating to see whether Federer can play to that sort of mental and physical intensity required again I know he's played quite a few matches on grass in the run-up, seven matches in Halle and Stuttgart, and then he played very well through the first four rounds now. So what's that in total? Twelve matches on the grass. But he hasn't played a five-set match before yesterday uh, since he beat Gael Monfils in the US Open nearly two years ago. So how's he going to back it up? We'll see. And psychologically, Catherine, it's a fascinating one for me, Federer against Raonic, because Raonic has gone through so many changes over the last six, eight months, obviously got extra coaches and so forth on board, but if you go back two years and the absolute thumping that Roger Federer dished out to him, what's the biggest thing that's going to come over this match? Is it going to be that memory that maybe inhibits him, or is he going to play well and Federer's going to be shocked by the level of improvement? I mean, nobody knows, do they, really? I don't think... I think the answer is no to both of those things. I I think it's going to be a completely different match to what we saw two years ago, but I don't think Federer is going to be remotely surprised by that. Uh, I think Federer is sort of giddy with excitement about what happened yesterday. He said... Uh, he, he he seemed delighted that he'd been taken to five sets. He's you know to to have he said I'm so pleased that my body has been physically set, tested, and I now discover that it's up to it because I guess you just don't know until you're in that situation. There's no you know there's the, the, there's no other controlled circumstances in which to test it other than the real thing. Um, he said, yeah, he seems just utterly brimming with confidence. Now saying that in the press conference room and taking that onto court against. Milos Raonic, who's probably been the second best grass court player of this season, is a different thing. Um, I, I, I think it's 51-49 in Federer's favour, but it, it's not going to be a 4-4-4 four, four and four like it was two years ago, for sure. I'd probably go about the same there, Russ, 51-49. I mean, you could make a compelling argument either way, couldn't you? So let's ask you, you're the BBC's tennis scorer. You know what's going to happen. Tell us. OK, I know. I've, I've, I've seen the result. No, no, no. I'm going to go 51-49 to Raonic. Just to be a little bit different, I, I think part of me thinks if anyone has the slight edge, it might just be Raonic tomorrow. We know he's going to come forward a lot. That's one thing that he's been trying to do all season, not just since John McEnroe came on board. Uh, McEnroe's also been talking about making sure that Raonic's demeanour is that much more positive on court. He didn't really explain what that meant. I don't know whether it means he has to beat his chest like Tarzan or uh, stick out his chest like Superman. He's certainly lightened up a bit. I think Catherine and I noticed this at Queen's. He's much more happy to have a chat away from the, from the court and, and just smile a bit more, frankly. He, he looks a little bit freer. And I think that's probably what McEnroe's getting at, isn't it? On the court, make sure that body language is a little bit more positive to perhaps slightly intimidate your opponent. But he's got the game... If he hadn't had that groin strain later on in the semi-final against Andy Murray in Melbourne, 
he may well have beaten him instead of losing in five sets. And he lost a bit of time after that, didn't he? A few weeks away from the tour, took him a while to hit his straps. Clay is not his strongest surface. But when you look at that start to the season and the way he's played on grass, then you, you have to be looking at him in 2016, outside those established names we've been talking about for years, as the next best player out there. And he's proved to be better than some of those. So I think he's a real threat to Federer. Could be a long one. Could could be hours of action and, and entertainment, and then it'll be Andy Murray again up against Thomas Burdick. It's it's always that straight. He was talking about it in his BBC Sport website column today, Andy Murray. What it's like waiting for the match before you to end, and how he he'd got up a couple of times, ready to to, to start the preparation for the match and then then had to stop again. And and uh, and I, I suspect that could end up being the same situation here. Very much so. I mean, I don't expect that to, to trouble him at all. Um, I mean, he did remarkably well, I thought, um, to deal with coming onto that empty uh, energy sapped centre court yesterday. I, I had uh, visions of potentially happening to him what happened to Songa at the French Open a couple of years ago when he had to follow that uh, Nadal Djokovic 9-7 in the fifth match onto court and the Philippe Chatrier arena was completely sapped of all energy and that sort of reflected into Songa himself I've, I, f- I feared for a moment that that could happen to Murray uh, but it didn't he coped with it very very well so I'm sure he'll deal with it just fine but it's certainly a, a scenario uh, that he'll be very very conscious of I, I think I think Andy's going to not cruise tomorrow, but I don't think there's going to be a moment where it feels in doubt. Any, any drama for you, Russ, tomorrow for Andy Murray? I think, as always, that first set will be very important for Thomas Birdie. He won the first set of their Australian Open semi-final at the start of last year. Really feisty atmosphere, wasn't it, inside the yeah, was arena? That was a lot of fun because Danny Valverde, who had been working so closely with Andy Murray for so many years, that partnership had come to an end and Valverde had linked up with Burdick in the close season and Murray and Burdick are not soulmates. Let's just leave it at that. So there was a bit of spice in that match. Um, Kim Sears wore that famous T-shirt um, having been uh, caught out using some pretty... No, that was in the final, wasn't it? I'm getting, in the final, she came out with that T-shirt saying, warning, contains explicit material, because there had been a suggestion, lip-readers extraordinaire around the world, that she'd been giving a little bit of abuse to those in Thomas Burdick's box. So it was really feisty. Burdick won the first set, but once Murray got back into the match, he won it fairly comfortably. He's now won nine sets in a row against Burdick. You feel he's got his number, but... Wimbledon semi-final, so much on the line. Djokovic out of the equation. I don't think you can take anything for granted. It was the moment, I think, that it just reminded me as well. The worst thing you can possibly do to Andy Murray is butt heads with him and, and, and make it personal because he seems to become a better player when he's angry. Yes, I think he picked a fight with Fergus Murphy, the umpire, in the quarterfinal yesterday when Songa was coming back so magnificently in that fourth set in particular. I mean, he wasn't being particularly hostile towards the umpire, but he was just picking a fight here and there, wasn't he, about the ability or the inability to challenge because the umpire thought he'd been too late. And we know it fires him up. It puts fire in the belly, and it's part of the man he is. So, yes, if I've got a cause, I will exploit it. Finally, Russell, we may not get to speak to you again this week, certainly not tomorrow. So let's have the winners. Let's have the winners of both men's and women's singles from you. Serena Williams and Andy Murray. And do you want a reason why? Yeah. I, I think I'm hoping it'll be a very competitive women's final, but I do make Williams' favourite for this one, even though I was less sure in Australia and in Paris. And I think... Andy Murray to beat Milos Raonic in the final, but I'm, I'm really not sure about who's going to be in the final. I just do think 
all things being equal, because of the way Murray's been playing, there seems to be such that burning desperation for him that he could be very hard for either Raonic or Federer to beat in the final here at home. It's fascinating, isn't it, Catherine? Hey, it's good having all these people on, isn't it, from the BBC and Telegraph, eh? Getting predictions out of everyone, yeah, good work. Oh, look, there's somebody over there. Let's see if we can get predictions out of that. Oh, no, they weren't running off. Uh, Russell, lovely to have you with us here on the Tennis Podcast. We get to commentate on all this tomorrow, don't we? We do, yes. So we will know before long whether we are right or once again spouting utter nonsense. Absolutely. Uh, Just one other quick thing I found absolutely fascinating in Andy Murray's column on the BBC Sport website was how he basically revealed Russell his game plan for tomorrow. He said, I'm going to, you know, against Thomas Burdick, I have to use some variety rather than just brute force. Fascinating. He doesn't often give too much away, does he? He's, he's always very thoughtful in his responses, but I remember quizzing him in the past about how he beats Novak Djokovic, and he says he's working on certain patterns of play against him in training, but you know, he does keep normally very tight-lipped about it, but there are one or two clues. Maybe he wants to send a little message to the Burdick camp. Yeah, I wonder what they'll do with that. Anyway, it's all fun and games. Hope you enjoy the tennis in the men's semi-finals. We certainly will. Russell and myself will be commentating on BBC Radio 5 Live. What, are, what time the match is going to start? One o'clock, aren't they, with Raonich against Federer? One o'clock, the first one. And then sometime between three and five, I would guess, it will be Murray against Birdie. So take your radios with you, your smartphone apps, your iPlayer radio app. Have a watch of Live at Wimbledon. You'll see Catherine Whitaker interviewing the good and the great of the, the tennis world. And we'll speak to you tomorrow. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 